Hi, welcome to Crying in the Book Club, the hit new podcast where three emotional friends talk about comic books that make them emotional. And let's just say no book makes me quite as emotional as the book we are discussing today. But before we get to that, let's introduce the, the fine folks who are here every week. Uh, yeah, you guys haven't missed the show. And by you guys, I mean Emily. Hello. Hello. How's it going? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. Are you feeling ex machina-y? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm in the spirit of the great machine. That's good. That's <laughs> great machine, Charlie Brown. Uh, and John Luke. How you doing, John Luke? Uh, I'm all right. I'm doing all right. Nice. Are, are you feeling ex machina-y or as, as Emily put it, in the spirit of the great machine? Am I feeling the spirit of the great machine? No, I don't think I am. Well, that's probably for the better. It's the great machine. Charlie Brown really got me. <laughs> I just needed to make sure that that was like fully highlighted. Cause I yeah, love we'll, that. We'll talk about the, the adaptation that's coming later on, but it's, <laughs> yeah. Charles Schultz's like a state. It's just like, you know what? We love Ex Machina. We're going to make it happen. Favorite non-newspaper comic. Yeah. Well, I was looking at the top of the show notes this week and we we made it through to us. The 24th episode. That's true. Which seems high. I mean, I, I know we've been doing it for a while, but and we also had a show previously that had more episodes. But each each one of these episodes, I like remember. You know, when we were doing the comics podcast, I was like, the vibe is good. But do I remember which Batman comic we talked about this week? Not really. That wasn't a question. I don't know. So what you don't you you don't remember every issue of the Tom King Batman run that we talked no, about I, on the podcast? I, I do. I, I, issue sixty, I think, was a Mister Freeze one. Let's see. I, I, I <laughs> fact checking yourself. I, I think I'd stopped reading by then. Um, it was, but a, I, I could. Yeah, I, I was wrong. There's three villains involved. Um, one of them is not Mr. Freeze. Do you guys have any guesses on who Batman 60 is about? One of them's on the cover. Also. Okay. Is that the poison Ivy arc? Cause I remember there was like a poison Ivy arc that happened after the wedding fell through, I think, mm-hmm. but this is, I... this is not poison Ivy. Um, but there's a, it is it is a shorter a shorter villain? And okay, Batman, it's either Penguin or Mad Hatter then. Uh, Batman used gave this one a five out of ten. Does that does that help solve the villain? Not at all, because but that is shocking to me that it that received is. negative reviews from the like what might as well be the in-house DC press corps. Yeah, this this review is just like oh, this is several pages of Batman torturing various criminals. Um, it's kind of excessive. Wait, wait, hold up. <laughs> It's called uh, Batman number 60. I, I don't remember the torturing happened, but ba- BatmanNews.com was not thrilled with it. So um, I guess I guess do it that as well. But it, it is Penguin, and it's also Bane. Bane. Bane is big on this one. He's big in every issue. He's a it's big true. guy. He's big in Harley <laughs> Quinn as well. I, I will Lynch. defend Batman torturing villains. Yeah. Not like in a, I think torture is cool way in a, I think it's good when writers make Batman do that way. <laughs> if you share these things, you might be a good fit for the mayor of New York city in 2001. So, so I like that John Luke's looking at this now. This is great. But we are, we are talking today about Brian Kevon, Tony Harris, Tom Feister, and JD Mettler's magnum opus ex machina, um, which, which is, Oh boy, what a book. What a book. Indeed. Uh, you know, American creator-owned comic book series, uh, published by DC Comics under the Wildstorm imprint, and I didn't actually write the well, date. I, I the, think... Yeah. Is this... Is this? Was it published after the Wildstorm acquisition? 
Uh, it says it's part of Wildstorm. I don't know if it's retroactively part of Wildstorm. Well, Wildstorm was a was a publisher. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it became it, a publisher in, in yeah. 1999. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 2004. So. Um, yeah, this series. I mean, we only did read the first 25 issues of it for this um, series, which you know is a lot of a lot of this book. It's, that's a lot to read. Um, but this it started in 2004 and actually ended in 2010 with issue 50. Um, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Part of me is like sicko, like wait, but, but what what do the last issues look like? Like, does Brian Kavon change um, the vibes, uh, as it were? Um, but we'll give we'll give we'll give you a nice quick synopsis. There there's a lot going on, so I tried to prune it down, and we'll talk about a lot of other stuff too. Um, but if you don't know anything about Ex Machina, hold on to your, your, your seat because, uh, there's a lot of 9-11 in here. Um, so yeah, Ex Machina focuses on the story of civil engineer Mitchell Hundred, and it alternates between the past and the present. It's centered on his current life as the mayor of New York City in early 2000, and it's got flashbacks to his prior life as the Great Machine, which is a fir- world's first and only superhero. Um, as the Great Machine, he has the ability to communicate directly with machines, uh, which he used to prevent the fall of the second tower in the 9-11 attacks. If that's not a hook to a series I want to read, I don't know what is. Um, but yeah, he was caught in the explosion um, from an undone device at the base of the Brooklyn Bridge a few years before 9-11. And after the accident, he discovers that he's able to control and communicate with machinery. Um, after being released to the hospital, he's robbed at the convenience store, which leads him to experiment with the use of his powers. And in the year 2000, he's actually like, okay, I'm going to become a superhero. Uh, after talking to his friend, Ivan Kremlin Tereshkov. Um, he goes up against a few people in, in the issues. Uh, here, here's a little highlight. He goes up against the first tower, but is a little too late. So he's 0 for 1 there. But he does stop the second tower going up. So still still a good superhero. Um, the fragment that gives him powers also gives powers to someone else. And it's this nice lady named Connie Georges who gets like a psychosis due to the, you know, the exposure. And she uh, cuts her left arm off and then murders and mutilates her husband, dog, and daughter i think and then mayor hundred kills her in self-defense uh the other the, the next person we're going to see is a vigilante named automaton who you think is a robot but ends up being like a comic book store owner whose um dad used to own the store that that hundred used to visit so it's a, it's a nice little moment you know it's nice when he gets taken down um and yeah there's there, there's a few other people there's a nice cult thing going on it's really creepy there's a nice like crucifixions kind of scene where like a body's just hanging out the bottom of it which is really fun. Um, other moments are he meets his mom again and learns that he she killed her his dad in self-defense and didn't tell 100 as a kid. Um, a white artist writes the N-word on a painting of Abraham Lincoln. And uh, that's like three, four issues of just talking about it. <laughs> it ends up getting t- stolen in, in quotes, but it's really the artist who like ends up stealing it to like both um, not look like they're taking their art back, but also like, yeah, maybe I missed Well, no, it gets one. vandalized, isn't it? Yeah, it throws a water uh, paint balloon at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is even better. Even better. Uh, he marries a gay couple at a time when gay marriage is legal in New York. And then at the same time, he goes on a date with a lady so that people don't think that he's gay because he wants gay marriage to be legal. So he's always he's always one step ahead, that, that Mayor 100. Um, another occurrence is journal a lady who's working in the office gets injured in an anti-war rally and ends up dying eventually her sister January then begins interning at 100's office and is secretly working to make him fail who would have thought um, and then he puts a man who's like doing drugs in jail and then the guy ends up dying there and then the guy's mom sets herself on fire on the steps of city hall so a lot of stuff happens in this in this series and that's that's a few highlights um, you're gonna skip over what else happens in the weed arc 
There's so much going on in this book. Which, which apparently Brian K. Vaughn thinks that marijuana has the same effects as like LSD and other hallucinogenic drugs. Okay. He no longer thinks that, but in the year 2004 to 2010, he definitely, he definitely did. Um, yeah, there is there 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 is a quote uh, that I'm just going to be getting up. This is you know we heard about what happened. We're going to talk about what happened, but this is Brian K. Vaughn's thoughts on why this comic happened and what was going through his head while it was happening. So. Um, Ex Machina was about trying to make sense of the world after watching from the roof of my apartment in Brooklyn as these buildings fell, the buildings being the, the, the two tw twin towers, and trying to make sense of politics and the concept of heroism and whether it's a real thing or just something we impose on people. That was all born right out of that day. Um, it was born out of his anger with the passes of our current political leadership on both sides of the aisle, and he says that he prefers not to discuss political themes overtly. So that's, that's a little Brian Kavon thing. Um, Emily, did you vibe with this series? I found it easier to read than when I revisited Why the Last Man. Uh, Heck yeah. <laughs> but, oh boy, this book is a trip. It is a, it is such a time capsule. It, like, like, bring, bringing me back to, like, the early 2000s, like, way that people at large thought about, like, gay people and like queer issues and like all of the political stuff that comes up in this book was just like sort of a it was an emotional roller coaster to go through this book and um i didn't hate it but i also there are a lot of i have a lot of issues with it but i liked the ending but yeah, God, this is such a weird fucking book. This is, I had no idea what to expect, and yet I could have never expected what I read. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't know anything about this going in. The first time I heard that it had anything to do with 9 11 was when I asked one of you guys at the end of the last episode what the next book was going to be about. <laughs> yeah, it's about a guy who stops one third of 9 11. <laughs> Yeah, he sure does. Uh, and the consequences of that. What's, what's your yeah. experience with 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 the good old X Machina? Is this something that you read when it was coming out? And, and, and well, I was your... like seven when it was coming out. So no, <laughs> but I have best. read. I have read like big chunks of X Machina before. I've actually never finished it. Um, yeah. But I had read all of these issues that we had read. That we read. We read issues one through twenty five for this for for this episode. It's a lot of issues. It's a lot of issues. It's a lot of issues, um, but I'd read them all before uh, and forgotten Wait, how major long chunks this? of them. It's fifty issues. We're halfway. Yeah, there, there, there are fifty issues of Ex Machina in total, and I, I, like I said, I've never finished it. I, I really liked this book when I read it in high school and was probably way dumber. Well, not probably, definitely way dumber. Uh, um, revisiting it now is interesting. I mean, I, like there's stuff about it that I like, like just like narrative stuff that I enjoy, but I mean, I think we'll get into this, but like politically this book is a mess and it's all over, all over the place. And yeah. we, we've talked about BKV before, like with pride of Baghdad, but it's really funny to me, like, especially the, the Iraq war arc, which is, you know, issues like 16 17 18 i think something like that which 
would have come out in the same calendar year as Pride of Baghdad and appear to be positing like the exact opposite uh, thesis about the war in Iraq. But you know, we'll 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 get into some of that. Hey guys, Brian, please did you read the whole thing? I might there? have read the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> you read fifty issues of X Machina. I, I okay. I'm gonna show you what I have, and it's holy. It, in Comicsology, there's oh, read the it has thing. book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. So this is what I got because it was all like it's it's on Comicsology Unlimited. So I was just like, yeah, I'll get all of it. And I read, I read all of this. So I read all of X Machina. Wow. Huh. Well, I'm. I I don't know how it ends. I'm like, do you know how it ends? I don't know how it ends either because, like I said, I've never finished it. I. I can I tell you or? Yeah, of course. I I mean, if we, I'm not like I'm yeah. not like worried about ex machina spoilers. Not right right okay. this second. Like later in the episode, I can talk about how it ends. But um... okay. Sure. <laughs> And it's even more impressive than I read it all in one week. Yeah, that's yeah, good for <laughs> you. I I've never doubted you, but now I will never doubt you. So <laughs> I'm glad. I just I, I just thought that was you... what I was supposed wow. to read, so I was going through it. That that's wow. That's wonderful. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, my ex machina thoughts. I had not read it before, and it was a a Brian Kavan um a dark spot, let's say, but one that was like. Oh, I'm sure it's good. I love Brian K. Vaughn. But then, you know, I, I reread Why the Last Men. And then I and I reread Pride of Baghdad. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. But it's like, this is at the same time. And there are issues with it that are very much of that time. And knowing what I knew about this book, which again, was mostly just the 9-11 thing. Um, and then he stopped 9-11. Uh, did not really prepare me for what this what this book was going to be. And I read it like before bed every night. And it was just kind of, it was, it was I, I never quite knew what was going to come next. I think that's safe to say in this book but not in necessarily a positive like way. It's like, Oh, Oh, this is what he did in the year 2004, 2010. But yeah, let's, let's get into it. So starting with the comparison, uh, how do you think it compares to his stuff at the time? You're looking at Sheriff of Babylon, you're looking at why the last man and does it hold up? (laughs) I, I have to say, I find it really funny that you just confused pride of Baghdad with Sheriff of Babylon. Oh, I really did. Those are very different. Those are very, well, the, the, bkv iraq war comic and the tom king iraq war comic oh wow sorry mr king we'll have to read that sometime i haven't read that actually so uh, maybe one of the few comics with worse politics than ex machina yes <laughs> that's our theme for 2023 oh boy <laughs> yeah the politics of this movie or in this book are fucking something this book is a lot of it is um centrist dog shit, but um I mean like not that it's all bad to be clear, but a lot of it is centrist dog shit. Yeah. I mean to compare it to like other BKV books at the time, like it's amazing the degree to which this reads almost exactly like Why the Last Man in terms of like male protagonist who's kind of a bad person but also is just too epic. I fucking hate Mitchell Hundred. I want to say this <laughs> at the top of the show. I don't like Mayor. this man. I don't Mayor like Mayor Mitchell Hundred. I don't like Mayor Mitchell Hundred. I'm not a fan of Mayor Mitchell Hundred, and I did not enjoy. Uh, 
I did not enjoy him. It's not that I, not that like I hated this book because like, to be clear, I did not, but I did not enjoy him. The, the amount of times where he's like, and I know I'm not like, around. maybe I'm kind of not supposed to like, I kind I get that. But like, oh, also, see, see I, I think, I think you're supposed to like him. I think you're supposed to be like, he doesn't have all the answers and he screws up sometimes, but you know what? I didn't like him. He's, he's, the amount of times, like, if he was in a TV show, he'd just be looking at the camera and winking. He'd be like, ah. Yeah. Ah, that's his whole thing. God. The impression I get from how BKV writes Mitchell 100 is that maybe you're not supposed to like him, but you definitely should respect him for the things he's done. You know, like, that's absolutely the vibe yeah. I got of it. Yeah, I can. I Yeah, that's the vibe I get as well. I think, Emily, I'm in the same camp as you that I, I don't really think that BKV is writing him to be, like, super likable all the time because he is written as kind of, like, he's written like, a, he's supposed to be like a political maverick, which mm-hmm. means that he, like, bucks, you know, the political trends and, you know, whenever, as those characters are always written in fiction, he is, that also makes him like a complete asshole in his interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think to a degree you're supposed to get that like, okay, yeah, he, he is kind of an asshole in how he treats other people a lot of the time. Uh, But you know, you got to respect the, the stuff that he does at the end of the day. I do not respect his hundred. (laughs) (laughs) Although I don't know, because maybe Alex could be right because I definitely, Definitely part of the heart. What is hard about getting a, a great grasp on on Mitchell Hundred as a character is that like BKV's intentions with him is that I personally really don't like him, and I can't tell how much of that is me just thinking like, oh, this guy is one of the dumbest people, dumbest protagonists I've ever read in a comic, and and how much of that is like BKV genuinely trying to write a, an unlikable character. Yeah, like I mean, so I think he he makes a lot of mistakes in this, but always sort of comes out on top, at least on, on his own. And it's like, oh, you know, he's just a I think guy. we're supposed to believe that he gen generally has good intentions and even when yes. even when he fucks up or he does the wrong thing it wasn't because he's like a bad dude and i don't care <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's it's such a um early 2000s conce- like yes. liberal conception of politics yes that like you're supp- you're supposed to at the end of the day it doesn't matter so much what the actual like material impacts that politicians have on people or what like the systems that they like preside over do to people on a daily basis. You're supposed to evaluate them like on a more personal level than that. Uh, and sort of think of them as like, well, he has good intention. Like, like that's where the good intentions thing I think comes in. But you see that a lot in like, like, there's a cover quote on one of the the volumes of this that compares it to the West Wing, which I think is incredibly accurate to like compare this book to like Sorkin style, uh, like TV drama, political dramas from the time. And even like, you know, that last in like not just through like 2010, but like well into the Obama era. And it's only like within the last five years, I would say that like american politics american liberal politics at least has started to come out of the like evaluating politicians as if they're people and not avatars for like the 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 ideologies and systems you know it and it makes i mean it it does to a point make sense that brian kivan was stuck inside after the events of 9-11 or you know in Uh early 2000s and then he's this is what he wrote and it's like 
Yeah, I, 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 I believe that. Yeah. I believe that Brian Kibon would write this at this time in this place. I, I have a question. Yeah. Um, so I, what, where did you guys stop now that we have figured out that I read the whole thing and you guys didn't? I, I need to know like what in like what context everything stops for y'all. He starts smoking the weed. Okay. The that's the last arc we the, the issue twenty five is the end of the uh, yeah. well issue twenty five is a standalone issue but issue twenty four is the end of the marijuana arc yeah and we get the reveal that uh, Kremlin and uh, January are working together okay in in some way and it seems like they're gonna you know so you be guys did there. so you guys did you get to read the issue about brian k vaughn making this comic book no there is oh my god 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 there is an issue of this book lads where brian who's the illustrator for this book tony harris okay so Brian K. Vaughn and Tony Harris go to Mitchell Hundred's office because they're going to do a comic book version of his memoir. No. That's no, real. No, That's no, in this God. book and I read it. Was it the and best comic of the year? Um, It, it was really Eisner's? fucking corny and I, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was really, really corny. What the hell? But this is real. <laughs> this really happened. It's an. It- Do you know what? Uh, God, no. Do you like, know what issue it is? God, I could not tell you when anything happens in this fucking book. But, like, I swear, like, I swear to you that it really is a thing that happens in this book. Huh. That is crazy. I, I, I did not. <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised I did not know that existed, but I, I yeah. did not know that existed. Yeah. It seems like the two things you'd know about this book is like he stops 9-11, kind of. Uh, yeah, and he, and Brian K. Vaughn is, puts himself in Yeah, it's like, a, it's, you know, a whole fucking meta thing. He has like a conversation with, uh, like Brian K. Vaughn in universe has a conversation with uh, Mayor Mitchell 100 about like New York and shit, like... Oh man! <laughs> wow, it was corny wow. as hell. I didn't like it. God, that's amazing. What, what is okay? So, how does Brian K. Vaughn position himself, like the literal himself in the comic, politically relative to Mayor he, Mitchell? Like, I really need to know. He like they kind of don't talk about it. Like, nice. okay, it doesn't really <laughs> like I. I think there's a mention of like maybe. Uh, hundred being like a little more conservative or something than they uh than than like they personally lean or something but like it, they don't really talk about politics they mostly talk about like 9-11 in new york okay wow that is bong- like just a wild piece of information yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know what to do with that. i mean i was probably i was probably still gonna read the next 25 issues just because why not? Should, but now it's you like, should do it just so you like you know what i've seen yeah wow again sorry really no sorry. like that's on me like, like... <laughs> but speaking of tony harris's art i think a lot of the heavy lifting is, is you know is, is done by it i think um as someone who doesn't have really i think i've read like one book of this from new 52 maybe he did an issue or something i think he he does a really good job of like facial expressions and this book is just a lot of people talking and there's there's some cool action he's got some really cool like fire effects especially um what do you guys think of his 
of, of Tony Harris's art? Or did, did you think about it while reading? I am personally not a big Tony Harris fan. Uh, I don't like this style where... And this was a style that was, I feel like, very popular in the early 2000s and has sort of fallen out of favor, although you, you still kind of see it sometimes, where, like, there's something very clay-like about all of the way that he draws people. Like, they look like, to me, like they're on the verge of melting, almost. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, like, they're, like, they're almost, like, putty. And I I really, for some reason, like, there is a really uncanny valley effect that that style has on me like mm-hmm. that was p- part of the problem with like why i can never get through the boys either it has a very similar style to this a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. well that that too but i mean there's like a there, there's there's like a like the justice league books from this era that i've tried to read also have like a very similar art oh, yeah. style. it's not tony harris it's like them, but porter's art i think uh, yeah howard, I think porter? howard porter yeah that's that sounds right um and I just, I just really like, I don't like looking at it. It, it, like I said, it has that uncanny Valley art style yeah. like, effect on me. And it really just bounces me off the book. The, everyone's hands are too big. Like it's, it's just things that are like, they're not so bad that I would say like, oh, I can't stand to look at this book anymore, but they're just, they're just noticeable enough that they perturb me while I'm, you know, reading the comic. I thought the art was fine. I definitely agree with John Luke about like everyone kind of looks a little melty sometimes, especially like Mitchell's face a lot of the time. Like he's just like, like, (laughs) I don't know. Um, But like, I thought it was, I thought it was serviceable for the story. So, I mean, like. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have too many problems with it, but like, it's not like my favorite. Uh, I felt like it got the job done. So, yeah, it definitely, I would say it gets the job done. Yeah. You know, I, I, I see that flipping through this book, the Tony Harris thing. Um, I think if, I think as long as you're reading it quickly, it kind of melds together and you don't notice <laughs> how, how big this guy's hand is right here. Um, but he, he, there are some pretty good, like, horror scenes. Like, there is, like, um, like whenever there's the murder or there's like the there's a snowstorm arc he does he, he does really well with with texture i think and he does stuff with fire as well that that really makes it go but yeah if you if you don't like the the general faces of everyone that's most of the book so it's kind of like i yeah i mean <laughs> some of the gore is definitely super gnarly it's just like not a horror comic most of the time so yeah like not not that it feels out of place when it shows up but it shows up so infrequently that it's not like a consistent thing that i'm like well you know yeah. i may not like how these people look but he sure did draw that one guy's intestines really no he good. did they were dripping they were going down there um so that's enough tony harris sorry tony harris um the tribe has spoken i guess uh but <laughs> mr brian Kavon's known for some dramatic cliffhangers and like you know ending off a, oh, a book with like a whoa or like a ah which ones from Ex Machina do you remember? And I'd like to go first just because it's in the first issue. Well, yeah. It, it's the 9-11 reveal. Yeah. It's, it's you see the one tower and then you see the hologram of the other tower. And it's like, if only I stopped the other tower. Which set the tone nicely. I mean, that one is just unbeatable. Like, there are some other good ones throughout the series. But that cliffhanger at the end of issue one is just completely undefeated in terms of like post 9-11 trauma comics yeah because like 
not only is it oh like this book is very is, we're, we're doing the, we're going all in on the 9-11 thing but it's like yeah in my fantasy we couldn't even stop the whole thing from <laughs> you know what that's that's a very nice no, just, 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 yeah that's a, wow like it, it's it's it plays into like how this book kind of interacts with like still being kind of still trying to be wanting to be a superhero comic. Cause in, you know, in, in, in other superhero comics, it's like, Oh yeah, we stop like the big things from going bad. Like if there were, if Superman was real, he would have, you know, he could have stopped nine 11. Not that that ever really like happens in a DC book, but no. when you see the, those sort of allegories, it's about how, you know, superheroes can't actually stop those things from happening and I think that it's like telling about what this what this book thinks of like how gritty and real it's trying to be that it's like, well, even in a world where superheroes are real, even one with like, you know, at the end of the day, kind of low level powers, like he couldn't even stop the whole thing from from happening. Yeah. Um, which is funny because it seems like BKV is so close to the point of like, oh, yeah, this was like like something like this happening was kind of inevitable because of American foreign policy. Uh, and he's like, so close to like grasping that. And then 20 issues later, he's saying like, yeah, but we got to invade Iraq actually. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like, he, there's the, the mayor hundred crow. Is the radio like, show? Everyone who's, the one where he's talking. Yeah. Where he's like, everyone who's out there pro- protesting is a beatnik and a pussy or something like that. Yeah. And then, and then jur- journal just like dies. Yeah. Right after there was a bombing at an anti-war protest, uh, Sam, which like the thing about that is that it makes me feel way less bad about shitting on him so hard in the pride of Baghdad episode that we did because at the time it's like, okay, well I felt like I was kind of like trying to equivocate the pride of Baghdad stuff at the time because I hadn't reread this. I was like, yeah, you know, like it's like well-intentioned, even if it's, you know, kind of misses the mark. But now I'm just like, oh, it's. I don't even think it was well intentioned. I, I I feel like Pride of Baghdad may have may have been a little better intentioned than this. Uh, maybe yeah. you know, like in the couple years between. But I don't know. I'd have to like. Well, but that's the thing, right? If you if you do the math of like, okay, so yeah, I don't this know book starts in two thousand. This book starts in two thousand four. Baghdad's two thousand eight. Baghdad's two thousand six the anti-war arc is in the late teens oh, so yeah. if you th- if you think about it like that's around the same time if there's 12 issues a year and this like ex machina starts you know 2004 it would be 2000 it would be late 2005 early 2006 when those issues come out so unless he thought like oh fuck i was super wrong like in the space of a couple months between that but which is possible. He, him and Nico Henriksen like wrote and drew Pride of Baghdad in a repentance <laughs> fever dream. I I like to I, believe I don't that think side I need to of give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if we read Pride of Baghdad after this, it would be a different discussion. Yeah. Oh, it would be, it'd be a similar discussion, but it'd be a different discussion to how we how we talked about Pride of Baghdad. Because I do remember a lot of like, no, you know what? Like I think this is what he means, or like Man, you guys didn't even get to like all the time travel stuff. Okay, I know about the time travel. Or it's stuff. not technically that, it's like, not technically time travel. It's like it's parallel alternate universe. It's parallel yeah. universe travel. But the like, other the other thing I know about is there's like there's something about the Pope or something. Um there's... yeah, he goes to visit the Pope because like they want to try to like exercise him. 
But then, like, these, like, t guys uh, try to use a thing to, con like, mind control him to assassinate the Pope because what wow. they, because they want, they want to fuck, they don't care about the Pope, but they care about fucking with Mitchell Hundred. So they, they're using him trying to kill the, or him killing the Pope as a way to, like, tank him. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a thing Very that happens. Um they're, they're Russian agents. Uh, oh. The Pope helps Mitchell have an epiphany with God, helping him overcome his conditioning. Yeah, I forgot. Okay, so yeah, they're they're using like a device to mind control him, and uh, Mitchell has like a fucking like epiphany where he like talks to God in his brain or something, and like is able to snap out of the the mind control. <laughs> But, like, he doesn't believe it's God. He's like, I just, you know, sometimes I, like, hallucinate weird shit with my powers or whatever, like. But the reader's is like. sure it's mm -hmm. not all the joints he's smoking? <laughs> <laughs> but the Pope th definitely says that it's God. And after the ordeal, uh, Mitchell tells the Pope that God told him he will be the, the, he will be the president of the United States. And that starts up, like, the whole, uh, the whole next, like go of the story is like a lot wow. of a lot of motive a lot of things are leading up to and like supporting this idea that mitchell is going to have uh, aspirations for the presidency he does not make it to the presidency i will tell you that but ahead. Let's well go. we'll i'll tell you the final spoiler at the end Oh, that's so exciting! Okay, I'm looking forward to it. You should um, be, and, and this is—it's Pope—it's Pope Benedict too. Which it is. That's an extra layer of like they should have killed. Yes, wow. to be to be fair, people didn't really know the Pope Benedict stuff in 2008 or whenever those issues were coming out. But. True, but Brian K. Vaughn did. <laughs> He's one step ahead. Yeah, um, I mean that's just one of those things where it's like this, like definitely has not aged well in some ways that aren't like entirely bkv's fault mm -hmm. like there's yeah. like so, some like random lines that are definitely like how people talked in the early 2000s from what i understand uh, oh yeah like, like you know the, like, like the slurs and stuff and like the way a lot of the things that have not aged well like i recognize as like things that yeah. people that's like the way people talked in the early 2000s right because yeah. i was there it felt more egregious in Why the Last Man, but I don't know. If it was worse because... in Why the Last Man for sure. And and I think part of that is like H Mitchell Hundred is like, I mean, it happens in like the second or third issue, like whenever he first meets the reporter woman, and he like says the arsler in the car and then freaks out about like the press is going to have recorded him for saying that, which I had a moment where I was like, damn, they think the press was going to get mad about someone saying that in 2002. That is that that can't be true but like he, maybe in new york when you, maybe in new york uh but definitely when you get it from the perspective of a politician rather than like a more normal person like yorick or some of the people yorick interacts mm -hmm. with and yeah why the last man who would you know aren't as don't have as much of a filter mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, yeah but like some of the politics in this are just kind of crazy like like the the whole like gay rights arc, gay marriage arc that they do, which mm -hmm. I think is like the second arc of the book. It's yeah, like, something like that. It, um, like there's a there's a scene where they're talking about it in his in his office, and his like his assistant 
his his uh like assistant who helped him get elected is telling him that like he really should do it and his chief of staff is saying like i go to church all the time you're gonna annoy a lot of people is that candy like, i fucking hate yeah. candy that's candy candy. Yeah. Candy, candy. Was, candy was hands down the worst most intolerable character in this whole book it, well that was her whole thing whenever she was there point, it was just to like, spew be uh, like oh yeah yeah no yeah she's just like yeah. I mean, the candy thing and the candy thing and the uh I think it's the police commissioner as well mm-hmm. are also elements of the of this book that are very of the air in terms of the politics of like, well, you know, we got to, you know, we I may be a more liberal guy even though I'm an independent, but we we got to get some republicans in here, you know. They you they don't. have some useful they have some useful viewpoints <laughs> no, they on don't. some issues. <laughs> well, see, they don't. And then and then my, my, the thing that I was getting to with that scene is that he goes from like taking a really hard stance on like, no, we're going to do this gay marriage thing. Like I'm going to officiate these guys, this guy from the log cabin Republican. Yeah, of course. Marriage, one of them has so to be a log cabin Republican. Also. Um, like, oh, that made me so fucking mad. But that, that ends up cheating on his husband. Yeah. Just like, just like, just like a little callback, just like a little like, oh, you forgot this character. Let's bring him back. He cheated. He's gone now. Bye. But then that, that one page where he takes the hard stance on that and is like, uh, actually, you know, it, we should, we should maybe, you know, consider public school vouchers and do some charter schools. And also, by the way, fuck the transportation union for trying to strike over sanitary issues and, and safety issues. People are literally, um, yeah. In that arc, like sanitation workers getting just murdered, just like one at a time. And there's like, why are you striking? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah. It, it's just like the, it, it very much is the like, you know, we can take a hard line on like some of these social issues, but all of the rest of it is just totally left out to dry. And you, you can't help, but you can't, you really can't help but think that like hundreds political views are at least in some ways a stand in for, for what BKB BKV believes, or at least believed at the time, right? Yeah. Like, that is very much the way the character is written is that, like, this is sort of, like, the... It, I mean, it comes off that way and if he didn't want it to come off that way he should have written it different. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's definitely... Like, it, it, I have to imagine that it is, like, an interesting challenge from a from a writer's perspective to take, like, okay, we're setting up... We're, we're gonna write a book about the mayor of New York who got elected in 2002. Uh, so the, when, when Michael Bloomberg was first elected. Uh, so like, there has to be like some like right wing reactionary sentiment because it's post nine yep. 11. Um, but we also want to make him like kind of a liberal guy and not like first term, not like as like hardcore right wing as like first term Bloomberg was. The, the problem is, is that then he just kind of ends up writing first, term bloomberg <laughs> despite <laughs> it all um like but there is like the 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 real shame of this comic is that there is like an interesting there there would be an interesting way to like really interrogate a lot of like the post 9-11 reactionary politics yeah and the thing that really gets it for me is the the iraq war protest uh stuff that happens in issue in the like late teens issues because some of this is like standard liberal viewpoints at the time which was like they had already kind of sold out the union Democrats had already kind of sold out the unions at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not entirely, but 
the the Iraq war stuff was like, no, like there was like obviously like elected politicians were a bit different, but there was like a pretty significant like anti-war movement in 2003. Mm-hmm. And then to like write the main character as being kind of this like epic, like logic guy. And he's also like anti-war is I, I think really what the nail in the coffin is for how you can read this book's politics at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. I think in that issue too, he, they like, he has like a Sikh cab driver just like hung on the street or thing like that is like a shock value moment and be like, whoa, yeah. shouldn't yeah, do that. Yeah. And it's just like presented with the way he's writing everything. It's like, mm. like, which, like, did, like ha- which also did happen a lot. Like yeah. it post post nine 11, like, like that, that's the, that's the hard, that's what makes it a little bit hard to parse sometimes is like how much of this is like trying to accurately reflect the, the time period, the post nine 11, like reactionary fervor yeah. versus how much of this does he actually like believe? It's a very muddled message where it's like, one page you're like, well, okay, he could be this, but the next page it's like, mm, and it's like, okay, obviously he's not, he's not being like, oh, we should just like, you know, lynch people in the streets. He's being like, okay, this is bad, but well, also, right. But, but that's the thing is at the, at the end of the day, he, the, 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 at the end of the day, like, I think what makes it actually pretty easy to, inter- to read the book's politics is that he takes really hard stances on things like that, that like everyone would tell you like, no, that was bad. Like we shouldn't have like, no, there shouldn't, we shouldn't have like, seen a spike in hate crimes post 9-11 especially like yeah. i mean the argument was like oh like republicans are so dumb they went after they don't know the difference between sikhs and muslims and you know maybe in some cases the implication was it would have been okay if they had actually killed muslims po- or done hate crimes for muslims post 9-11 I'd, uh... but but like I, I that's what i think is like when you when you look at like those sort of like hardline things it's like yeah like hate crimes are bad it's like the easiest thing in the world to take a yeah. stance on for somebody who's even approaching liberal but but then like the any issue that would require a little bit more nuance he he immediately takes like the most reactionary tact on it possible yeah uh which is like the union stuff which again is only like kind of it's not like the there's not like an arc about it um and the iraq war stuff and then even the drug stuff like because like sure he comes around on the marijuana thing but the portrayal of like how marijuana is used in this book is like a totally inaccurate like it's not a hallucinogenic drug yeah. which is like um, is is it him being like this is what people at the time were making it seem like and like it's clearly this isn't what well, it does and I like think you know, playing it up that way or does he th- really not know what it does no i think at the time he probably did not know what it did like he, he probably had no like sense for what it was and so bought into the like reaction the, the like mainstreamed for like reactionary framing of like you know marijuana is a gateway drug it's dangerous um and and totally bought into that and so portrayed it that way on the page but like in a way of like actually it's awesome that it does this you know like that's the mayor 100 thing is like you know marijuana is a hallucinogen and that's like really cool and i had a great time hallucinating a dog talking to me but but you know in doing so like kind of does further the sort of like right wing like agitprop against you know recreational drugs and i mean the the reality is that like it's the the reason that drugs like marijuana were illegal and are still illegal has nothing to do with like their actual knock-on effects and everything to do with like a convenient reason to jail a bunch of minorities but like this book is not smart enough to actually engage with it in that way. It just takes everything. It takes like 
every like political topic that was in the zeitgeist in the era completely at its face in, in how it was framed at the time. Well, and when it does, it just takes it to such an extreme. It's like, okay, so this guy got arrested for drug charges. He died in jail. And then his mom set herself on fire on the steps of the city hall. It's like, okay, right. we, we get what you're saying, but it's like, wow. Okay. Nice. It's also, it's also kind of like bonkers to think that like, th- like in some ways, like there is a real fantasy to that, that like somebody would take some sort of like stand really over the top action, like, you know, self immolating themselves. And it would actually like have an, an impact on like an individual, po- like it would have a personal impact on an individual politician who then would do something about it, which is again, completely out of touch with the way the world actually, unfortunately the way the political which, which system even actually it, works. Yeah. Cause even if a single politician was like moved by something, it's like, now what, what are you going to do? Well, and even if like someone who like does have a decent amount of power, like the mayor of New York city, you know, not by any means, like one of the most powerful politicians, but actually does can legislate from a meaningful perspective, like has yeah. meaningful power over legislation. Um, like it, it, it's, it just simply is not the case that like the, the, the anti like marijuana lobbies would allow for, for some, for, for him oh, yeah. to take to take action on it in 2004, you know? Yeah. And so there is a, like, an, like even more so than the superhero stuff, like that's like a, almost a more fantastical element of the comic that like, that would have been a good review. A little, little, little quote there from back in the day, Jean-Luc. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately I was, you know, 11 years You're old. St- you were still 11. Okay. But, um, just a fun little trivia. There's another writer who wrote Ex Machina. They wrote two pages. Um, somewhat well known. I'm a fan of some of their work. Do you guys want to? Ha- pretty big at this time, too. You guys want to hazard a guess as to who this person is? You just get three guesses on who this writer is. And I'll, I'll add a little clue each time. Mark Millar. Okay. That's is that guess. wrong? I can't say. I at least look at a guess. Yeah, oh, I have okay. to guess. Um,. I don't like know the end. I don't know that it's Mark Millar, by the way. I yeah. just that's the first one that came comes to mind. Oh wait, is it Garth Ennis? Emily read the book. Oh. It's Garth Ennis. Yeah, oh I didn't. God. I don't think I read that bit. I don't think I. I think I just skipped. Or there was something like. No, no. What I'm thinking of is there was like a uh, an advertisement or so, or like a preview for another Garth Ennis project in the back of one of these. I think. Oh. Because he wrote a couple of pages, but. Yeah, I, I have no idea what the two pages were. I just know it was an it was an issue forty, and there were there were two pages that they're like, you know what, Garth Ennis. Oh wait, no, I remember you. what it was. It was Ooh. like a. Uh, I think it was like a Great Machine comic or something like that he wrote like two pages of or something was this the brian Kavon? was this the one where he was talking was. to brian Kavon? i think, I think no? that was separate i think this was i don't uh i, I just like skipped over it because i saw garth and and i was like yeah whatever uh so <laughs> i just like kept going so another thing i was thinking as, as we're having this discussion is like um it would be interesting to have a writer i don't want to say a better writer but a writer a modern writer who's good, like even I, I, mean, I, I would, I wouldn't want Brian Kavon to write this book because I don't trust his his thoughts about this time. But it's like I, I do think that there is a good comic book series that you can get from this, especially if you take more like a like 
harder approach on things well, where I, you're actually well, like honestly i think that if they took this they you know they want to make it a movie if they made like a mini series and they had someone better write this to like kind of iron out some of the places that um i don't like uh you know like they could actually make something pretty interesting well that's the, that's the thing is like there's there I clearly had a lot to say about like the politics of this book, but okay. that's really the only axis that I would like criticize it on very much because, you know, it's 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 clear even then that like BKV is a really talented writer. Sure, yeah. Like in terms of like his plotting and ability to like create like set up stakes and create yeah, tension and, that's and, honestly, and create like meaningful. And that's why I was able to still kind of like I you know enjoy. Uh, reading this book because like the totally. way like even if the politics I found uh grating and annoying a lot of the time like the the story itself and the plotting and stuff like I actually was you know like I wanted to keep going so yeah it's it's one of those cases where you can look at the character and go like yeah these are kind of horrible people with really pungent beliefs but the stories that are being told about them are actually fairly compelling and like the the sort of like interpersonal office politics angle of it is is really good in in the issues that we read like i you know even though again like i don't really like them ideologically like the dynamic between like hundred and his assistant and the and candy the chief of staff and then the intern journal is like it's it's like kind of fun to read like the dialogue is is snappy without being like overly quippy or like super self-aware mm-hmm. it just re- it's it's a really smooth read from a like from a narrative perspective and like the constant like twist like we talked briefly about this but Vaughn is so good at like setting up twists and turns and like using like using all like using flashbacks like set up the relationships that Mitchell has had with other characters and then setting them up as potential I did get a little dizzy with the back and forth yeah, yeah. well because it's not it's not always clear like the, it always tells you like the date that something happens when it flashes back but like that's the kind of thing that it's really easy to skim and then two pages later think oh this is a flashback I didn't fully mm-hmm. yep. internalize that um but like it's really good at setting up all these like twists and leading you down like all and red herrings for like who the villains are like you know I I read this book before I know that like Kremlin turns out to like be not be to, to be a villain like to be working against hundred at some point later mm-hmm. on in the book yeah but like the even what was happening there was like oh it went when um candy's sister goes down or cousin or sister i think goes down into the basement and kremlin's there was like oh my god like it's still a great reveal you know like there is a lot to be said for for vaughn's Mm -hmm. ability to like script comics and you know use like page turns and and stuff like that for like these really impactful moments it's which yeah i mean i guess it would be it's really good stuff overall which which we're not gonna obviously get but like if ex machina never came out but now in the year 2023, Brian K. Bond was like, I'd like to explore this period and, you know, tell that story. But it'd be interesting to see what his lens is like now, because well, what's great is that Saga exists and so- like true. the like what's what what that's well, that, that, that's the really cool thing is that like you can tell that BKV's politics and ideology have shifted since this book came out. You know, mm-hmm. like if you read Saga, like. It's all the like it's clear like yes, Brian Kavon is a great writer. All the things that make him a great writer in this book 
in Ex Machina are present in Saga, refined, admittedly, and also, you know, with the benefit of a of of the fantasy world talented Fiona Staples. Well, yeah, like, but like, there you can tell that like his 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 beliefs have shifted on on issues like this. Like, Saga is a much more like clearly like anti war Mm -hmm. in clear in its anti war stances than you know anything that he wrote during the iraq war yeah uh in the in the early 2000s um so you kind of can get that like it's but but i think it's impossible to write a book or not impossible but it would be close to impossible to write a book like this uh about like a you know mayor of a of of new york city even now that doesn't fall into some of the same like traps around like oh like the great man theory of politics and stuff like Mm -hmm. that right yeah um for sure because so much of that is like tied up in the superhero wish fulfillment and he can't just like there is an element of this. It's like he can't decide if he's writing a real person or writing someone who's still a superhero. And he, yeah. he said that, I guess, that like he's trying to interpret like do a like a commentary on heroism, which mostly I think just gets back to kind of like childish ideas of how hero superheroes would work yeah. in the real world or maybe not childish but at least naive yeah definitely definitely naive um yeah i think that takes us to emily if you will the ending okay so the, the true ending i so, will i will just give you some uh some plot bits like like bit points that lead up to this um after God tells uh, Mitchell Hundred he's going to be president of the United States, uh, he is asked to give the keynote address at the 2004 Republican National Convention, and he does that. Um, there's, nice, of course. There's a nonpartisan, by the way. <laughs> well, okay, like there is like a whole thing about it, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, but but he does do it. Um, in you know his political ambitions uh there it's susan suzanne padilla the reporter that he dated um so that people wouldn't think he's gay starts doing this investigation into uh hundred uh spurred on you find out later by kremlin uh because kremlin's trying to sabotage his political career we know this but one of the ways he's trying to do it is to get suzanne to expose that uh mitchell did something to rig the elections and in his favor and it turns out he fucking did but he didn't know he was doing it of course uh he like had one of his (laughs) like devices that came to him in a dream and it's this white box that he builds and like while he's in the deprivation tank so that he can't affect the election results. He has Bradbury drive around to various polling locations where he was doing well. And it is like, it is basically implied and stated that like this influenced people to like vote for, uh, for mayor hundred and that's how he ended up getting it because like there's this whole the whole reason he has these powers is because there's like this like multiverse of like people with his powers who like want to take over and they like go from one universe to the other like until they use up all the resources or whatever and like 
he's supposed to have these certain powers and like the white box gives people certain powers and there's the guy with animal powers i don't remember if he was introduced in the part that you guys read and like so suzanne ends up getting the white box powers so she can like control people's minds but then like i Kremlin tells her that he has this nullifier that Mitchell made and it turns out the nullifier is fake too. It turns out the whole time for so for years uh Kremlin thought he had something that would stop Mitch's powers and it was fucking fake. He said it was like an old uh old remote for like a garage door or something i, I like that like imagine like the it, whole time honestly, Superman, that superman's twist just really like got me. that like that twist really got me when he they were like I, it's fake i was like what like like kryptonite doesn't work on superman he's just been pretending yeah, the whole he's time just been, and then he's like, like <laughs> literally that was it um oh. and uh so he he ends up killing suzanne and then uh the kremlin no, um, Mayor Hundred, um, because he's like this whole time, like his powers and shit, like the the multiverse machinations are clearly influencing him in a way that he doesn't understand, and he keeps making decisions to further his political ambitions in a way right. that he doesn't understand that he's like being used as part of a a higher evil power or something, and so he ends up killing Suzanne. He doesn't run for re-election but he does uh because he was he gave this the address at the national the republican national convention uh the president makes him uh ambassador to the united nations and there's like other stuff that happens at the uh the republican national convention that i've totally skipped over but uh that leads to him becoming the uh, united states ambassador to the united nations he has them rebuild the twin tower that fell um in new york and um Something happens where, like, Mitchell has to put the uh, the great machine uniform back on and save the day. But the last second, he has Bradbury switch out with him. So Bradbury takes the fall for it and has to, like, it takes the fall for being a vigilante. And nobody knows that it or was actually uh, Mitchell the whole time. So Bradbury's out and um, eventually like Bradbury uh, went to prison and his family abandoned him and he one night drunken and disheveled comes to hundreds uh, new digs and he admits that he's always been in love with Mitchell and Mitchell like uh, rebuffs him and uh, Bradbury punches him in the face and leaves and uh the comic actually oh god no i'm not gonna skip to the end because i have to tell you that um kremlin uh threatens to release the evidence that suzanne had found about like him rigging the elections uh and mitchell uh basically uses his power like kremlin's like okay well if you're not gonna be the great machine anymore then i'm gonna shoot myself and mitchell makes the gun go off and shoots gremlin in the kremlin in the head and then like the last thing that happens in the book is that uh we learned that uh mitchell hundred has uh, been elected the vice president of the united states under president john mccain 
And then the last thing, the last like moment of the comic is uh, him saying fade to black and the comic ends. So the wow. interdimensionary league of people with his powers now has a vice president of the United States. Yes. Like he thinks, I, I, he thinks that he managed to like stop them or cut off access or something, but he's clearly like still being manipulated so the by bad, them. The, Cause the, like the his bad guy like, head thing lights up when he's like fade to black. And yeah. that is, um, th- that was the part where I was just like, uh, astonished because I, I knew about some of that but like that is a much more interesting comic than the one we got of, is the like yeah. interdimensionary interdimensionary people honestly to, you like, guys should check the, out the other 25 the issues just I mean, be, so, just to say that you did yeah because it's huh. fucking well, weird and wild <laughs> the John McCain thing is crazy Does to, to be half? fair if, if John McCain had you know had Michael Bloomberg as his VP instead of Sarah Palin he might have actually won the seriously election. I gotta pull up this like very last page does hearing that second half change your mind on uh, Brian Kibon's politics John Luke and his intentions <laughs> in this comic book huh no not at all no because the ride, that, though. The, it, and i'm gonna say this the end is my actually my favorite ex machina like reveal twist because like the way that it like mitchell's like kind of like uh talking to his jetpack doing like a monologue at the end of the book and then he oh, gets yeah. a phone call and like you don't know who the phone call is from until at the very end he's like you know send your wife my love mr president and we get this this panel shot with the we see the the uh portrait of mccain and hundred uh and when did this come it ended in 2010 okay so okay yeah well i think but it's like that's like right at the end yeah I mean, it's definitely trying to do like a like trying to be like an alternate history thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's that's wild, though. Yeah, I could not have yeah predicted. Oh, the way that. he kills Suzanne is he pushes her through a portal to one of to like a hell dimension or something. Oh. Great. Yeah, and she gets like mauled to death by demons. So it really just goes off the rails by the oh, end. Oh yeah. That's oh yeah. That's that's, that's cool that's though. Happened. Like yeah. that that that's way cooler than if he had just done fifty issues that were of this like, politics crap that he's like. Yeah, like the yeah, politics stuff is still going on, but like there's there's a lot more insane shit. There's like a girl who like the uh the great machine saved back in the day who like is upset that he's no longer the great machine anymore so she like does uh these attacks around the city where she like spray does big spray paints of like anti-president anti-war shit or whatever and then she like attacks the uh national republican convention and he and then she dies and, and mitchell saves the day and that's how he that's how he ends up getting offered the position of ambassador to the u.s does she also end up dying there um i don't think she dies but he okay. does maybe she, she maybe she does i die. feel like there's just a lot of like female characters who oh just, yeah like, there's a lot of like this book. just killing women for a dramatic effect in this book yeah wow um wow yeah we probably should have done a spoiler warning before the second half but honestly like it doesn't make me want to read it less we should have done we should have done a spoiler warning at the start at the beginning of the episode we forgot to do that but at this point if you don't know that we're gonna 
spoil everything basically from the beginning then welcome aboard thanks thank <laughs> enjoy your first episode it was really great um speaking of first episode do you guys do you hear that sound you hear that you hear that sound that is the doomsday really. clock oh sorry now sorry it's just oh there <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. there we go that's the doomsday clock saying that it's time for our first ever cry space Woo! it's the part of the show where we're going to highlight one thing that made us cry this week uh yeah we read ex machina and got expi- inspired to do something great in the world and this is what it is so um emily do you have a cry space prepared and ready i do nice um unfortunately this is the second podcast that john luke has recorded with me this weekend so oh, we have the same cry space no no well no he's gonna have to hear about something i talked about before we recorded the oh, other okay. podcast i've been watching a lot of a reality cooking competition show called worst cooks in america where they right. have a bunch of people who are bad at cooking and like they have to compete to uh to learn how to cook better and um at the end of one season that I watched, uh, Alton Brown was one of the, uh, like, th- there's usually two uh, actual chefs that are, like, teaching them, how, teaching all the people how to cook. And, like, at the end, uh, even though, like, this one guy didn't win, uh, what he wanted to do with the prize money, which is, like, $25,000, is he said that he was gonna, like, donate a bunch of it to his local food banks and help restock their shelves. And then nice. it, what he ha- when he had leftover money, he was gonna buy himself a couple of large pizzas. And Alton Brown, even though the guy didn't win, Alton Brown said, I'm gonna make sure what he wants gets to happen, and I'm gonna make donations to these food banks. And he, like, gave him $20 out of his pocket for pizza. And it was, it was really sweet and it made me really happy that's cute <laughs> it gave me happy cry yay but i uh, i think i know what john's cry face is gonna be jean Luc, um can i guess yeah go for it is it a is it bear related yeah oh okay uh yeah i'm not gonna talk about it too much because as emily alluded to i was on that looks terrible talking about winnie the pooh blood and honey on uh, my cry spaces that I went and saw Winnie the Pooh. I'm so sorry. Um, and it didn't. It it didn't even have. It only had one good kill, so it wasn't even like really worth anything. It. I was really depressed. Oh. Not a good movie. There's a spoiler alert for this film that I'm not going to watch anymore. Um, uh huh. Do they do they survive it? Are the Hundred Acre Woods creatures do- alive? Well, yeah. Well. All of them except for one live, yeah. Oh, okay. And, and the one who doesn't live is, like, killed off in the intro. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, we don't know about yeah. um, Owl and Rabbit. Oh, that that's true. But, like, the, the Owl and Rabbit aren't in the movie, but the they it doesn't sp- explicitly say that they killed them. Well, yeah, they are in the movie. They're in the intro, but... and then they're not... They don't say anything about them in the rest of the movie, so... So, do, yeah. do you... I mean, I'm still not going to watch it, but do you get other animals other than piglet and poo no well there's a great scene with eeyore's tail <laughs> okay i might have no 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 don't. I'll, I'll uh i'll uh, I mean, you... I'll, I'll tell you what it is they, yeah, we'll, so we'll, we can talk they, about they, it. they kill and eat eeyore uh oh. that's like in the intro for the movie and then they say because tail. yeah but they save his tail and poo who feels really badly about all of this uh, but also feels like it's Christopher Robin's fault. 
uh, whips Christopher Robin with Eeyore's tail. Like has him tied up and and is yeah, like it's like I didn't notice that it was the tail when I was watching the movie, and neither did John Luke, and we found this out afterwards. (laughs) Afterwards, because yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a it's not a good movie. I'm not going to watch um, it, but episode... I, I'm excited to to listen to this one, and you yeah, should all be too. Definitely. That looks terrible. When that episode of That Looks Terrible comes out, you should listen to Wonderful. it. I feel like we uh, had a guess, good talk about it. I'm... Very fun movie to talk about, though, I will yeah, say. Oh, yeah. It was, it was very fun to talk about, but oh boy, bad movie. It's, my <laughs> space is somewhat That Looks Terrible related, kind of animated related, but I finished um, season three of Harley Quinn. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. I saw the real finished. heads out there. <laughs> the what the hell? I just have been watching other stuff. You're the one who, you don't have my got me into it. Oh, Clearly okay. not. No. Um, I started watching that show probably like two weeks ago, and just I like watched too much anime. Just like watched it all. It was great. I I, I <laughs> loved that show, and I, it, it happened when because I started watching Velma before that, which is sort of my cry space. Um, and I was like, oh, like this is bad, but I kept watching it. Um, and then I watched Harley Quinn, and it was like, okay, similar vibe, but. They treat the characters well, and there's some love to it, and there's some like good stuff going on. Um, all that to say, I did finish Velma, and season two is coming out. So, I actually to, uh, still really? have like an episode left to watch of Velma. Um, and <laughs> look out for another the the episode after uh, John Luke is on that looks terrible is going to be Velma with Alex. Let's go. I have thoughts. Oh boy, so many. But they're all they're all like very cold at this point. So look look forward to that. Um, and also look forward to our next episode of Crying in the Book Club, where we, the people, will be discussing the seminal, the wonderful. One second. One second. Yeah. <laughs> One second. Scrolling. Scrolling. Did you forget? No, 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 no. The wonderful. The book. That, oh, this is the wrong one. The book that <laughs> I. To say whether I read it or didn't read it is sort of a. Uh, I can't find it. Do you guys know what we're reading? Wait, do you not? Oh, no. Well, I I know what we're doing. Do you want me to just say it? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna open one more. I'm gonna open one more. Okay. File. Ah. It is. Runaway May. It's the beginning of Runaway May. Yes, yeah, it's, it's Runaway May. Runaway May. Yeah. We know this. We do this. We like it. I didn't um, even realize we were doing two BKB books back to back. Yeah. Also, shoot, I'm I'm scared to look. One sec. When did Runaways come out? Oh. Uh, Runaways. I've actually reread the beginning of Runaways, and while it still has some of the slur problems, I think it ages better than most it, of all these other books because it is not political, really. It holds up so much better by virtue of being a superhero comic. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I I yeah. Let's take a break from Brian K. Vaughn after Runaway. I just this is yeah. well. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do some you know Rainbow Rowell, some some Joss yeah, Whedon. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jossie. What's what's he been up to the last six years? Anything? <laughs> anything particular? <laughs> Any sort of no, nothing, nothing really notable. No. We'll do a, yeah, he we'll made do the next. Avengers movie that was really big, and then he just kind of like fell off. Like he just we'll, left. He just went out on top. That's you know good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, him, for real. Him, but uh, yeah. Runaway. So yeah, we'll be doing is it four episodes on on three Runaway. Episodes. No, two up three episodes. Three episodes. So it'll, so it'll also be no. It's all in May. We did figure this out. It's all yeah, in May. We got three episodes in May. Yep. Yeah. So look forward to that in May. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us in this Ex Machina adventure. That twenty five issues that turned into fifty issues that what? you know <laughs> turned into turned into a lot of fun. Um, Emily, take take us away. Bye.
Oh yeah, see you guys. <laughs>